Well, I was thinking about someone from our church this week that's no longer with us. Carrie Urich. Do you remember Carrie Urich? You may or may not remember her. Uh, she and her husband moved to Chicago about five years ago or so, but Carrie was deeply involved uh, in the outreach of this church and was responsible for many of the things we did here to let our community know that we're here and that we have a message of hope. She organized the family games uh, during Mission Festival where Pastor Kiesling and I always seem to end up on the opposite sides of the tug of war. And she organized the, uh, the Christmas caroling in our neighborhoods during Advent. I mean, her dedication ran through all through the Easter activities, you name it. I give thanks to God. We all give thanks to God for the good work she did in this congregation. But you know, there's dozens more like Carrie who at one time were with us, partnering in the gospel with us, but are now physically separated from us. That's what this letter from Paul to the church in Philippi is about. That's why I, that's why I read the whole thing to you so that you know, perhaps you would pick up on that or, or that it would just kind of, I guess, soak in through osmosis or something. I don't know. But the bottom line of his letter is that the Spirit's work uh, The Spirit still works as we are often separated from one another. Now let me ask you this question. And you can raise your hand for this. How many of you have had friends or just one friend even that, you know, that moved away or you moved away from them but you still write or call or keep in touch even though you're far apart? Raise your hand. How many of you have a friend or friends like that? Okay. Okay, how many of you have kept in touch for over 30 years? Okay, many of you. 40 years? A few of you? Okay, how about 50 years? Okay, I mean that's, that's very rare, but uh, very special, isn't it? Because how many of you have, have had friends who moved away, or you moved away, and contact was lost either because of you or not staying in touch anymore uh, on their part. How many of you have had that happen to you? Yeah, lots, right? Because, well, we've all heard the old phrase, out of sight, out of mind, right? And it's true. When someone's not near to us anymore, we forget. We move on with others who are near us. Out of sight, out of mind. But... There's another well-known saying on the opposite side of that which goes, absence makes the... Very good. Meaning that when someone is far away from us, we yearn for their presence and feel the tug of loss. On a hot summer day when I was 15, I couldn't stand that feeling any longer. It had been a year since we moved away from my best friend Mark. Neither one of us were good at keeping in touch. I mean, we were... We were boys, right? You know, teenage boys don't write to each other or call. They just show up at each other's house. But I wasn't going to have this out of sight, out of mind thing any longer. My parents worked all day, so they couldn't take me over there. Uh, So I was on my own. So I hopped on my bike and pedaled five miles in 105 degree heat with no water bottle or anything, hoping that Mark would be home when I got there. 
And he was. And it was worth it. But for one mark, there were 15 other friends that became out of mind, or out of sight, out of mind, and uh, forgot about them. I think all of us have a little of both going on in us at the same time. A little out of sight, out of mind, and a little absence makes the heart grow fonder. Which of these proverbs do you think applies the most to us as God's people, the church? Are we out of sight, out of mind people? Or are we more the other? I don't know. I, I think a little of both, maybe. You should watch the movie Glengarry Glen Ross. Uh, it's not a family movie. Don't watch it with your grandkids. It's got a lot of swearing. <laughs> but it's about four Manhattan realtors who are past their prime and they've seen better days in the business and the home office has threatened to fire them if they don't make a sale in 24 hours. What's worse is they can only close on a sale with one of the old leads before the home office, home office will give them the new leads. See, leads are stacks of 3 by 5 cards that contain the names and telephone numbers of prospective buyers. Closers, as they're known in the business. And the whole drama revolves around a way to get those new leads because those are the closers. Forget the old leads. Those people have been called four or five times and while they may have shown some interest at first in buying property, they're not interested anymore. In fact, one of the old leads turns out to be a deranged couple who just like to talk to salesmen. In the church, sometimes I feel like there are the old leads and the new leads. I, I mean, I really identify with that movie. I call the old leads and I don't get anywhere with them. It's the same old, well, pastor, I know, I should be there, I'm too busy. Whereas I get excited with the new leads, you know, uh, uh, which, who might be our visitors, uh, interested in becoming members, or our new preschool families. You know, people, people ready to dive in and be a part of the ministry here and tell their neighbors what's going on and what we're all about and make things happen and participate in growing in faith together as families and partners in the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done. But it would seem I'm not imitating Paul very well. That's my confession. Out of sight, out of mind isn't Paul's way with people. Look at how many congregations he spent time with, then moved on, but continued to pray for those he had visited and wrote to them. He even wrote to some he didn't visit, but only heard about through the other apostles. That's out of sight, yet in the heart and mind. I mean, how does he even do that? Even when he's in prison, he doesn't complain and groan about his own problems. A little bit, but you know, then he, then he goes on to say, oh, you know, I count it all for the joy of the glory of God. You know, he yearns for the well-being of others and prays for them. Paul is separated from the Philippians, but that only intensifies his desire to see them and pray for their needs. Rather than being out of sight, out of mind, his separation or this separation has brought them deeper into Paul's heart. He focuses his attention on the gospel, 
the message that Christ died for the sin of all people and rose to eternal life that we would be raised with him and forever be with him. That's what keeps him going. The Spirit keeps him going through those words, that promise. So being away from his fellow Christians and being persecuted brings Paul closer to them in Christ and brings him closer to Christ also. Well, we're not in prison. We're not being persecuted. We have our own personal prisons. We're caught up in addictions and mindsets and behaviors that are not Christ-like. But Christ died to atone for those sins and the sin of the whole world. So we are free now in the gospel to love one another, which includes the work of the Holy Spirit to love and pray for those who are absent, far away. Like Paul, we begin to see and to recount how God is at work in their lives and prays for their work to continue. Our confirmands are a good example of this. I'm going to confirm four of them later today at the, at the 1045 service. I get to know each one of them for a whole year in a deeper way um, than I wouldn't if we didn't have junior confirmation. We work together in learning and growing in our faith and, and do things as a family in Christ. But as the years go on, some of them become absent because they go off to college and get jobs and live far away. I keep pictures of all of them on the youth activities board downstairs because, well, so that they don't become out of sight, out of mind, you know? As we think about those who are absent from us, what do we see? What work are they presently doing in the kingdom of God? Hopefully, they haven't given up on Jesus and, and his church, but we don't always know. Sometimes, though, we see on Facebook or hear that they've been involved in this church or that church, wherever they've, you know, they're living now, or they're on a mission, or maybe they've even become a church worker. What struggles might they be enduring? How is the Spirit calling us to keep them in our hearts and minds and to not only get excited about the new leads? How can we offer support? I know that sounds like more work, a new church program, but it doesn't have to be. It can be as simple as praying for them. That's what Paul would do, and he urges us to imitate him. I mentioned Carrie Urich at the beginning, so let's pray for her. Lord, we give you thanks for your servant Carrie, who with a fervent love for you and your people worked tirelessly in this congregation to, to promote your good news of saving grace. Watch over her, continue your good work in her, and bring her to the goal of salvation purchased and won for all of us by your blood, and that we may see her again when we are brought to heaven to be with you forever. Amen. You know, this fondness for those apart from us is a fondness for Christ, because it's only through Him and His Spirit that it happens even in times of imprisonment and persecution. The thought of being alone in a place in an, or an environment that's not supportive of your, of your, of your faith is a, it's not a good thing to think about. And it's happened to some we love who've gone to certain colleges and surrounded themselves with people who are not open to Christianity or worked in places with people who are hostile to the gospel. But Paul turns our eyes to Christ in any situation, in any circumstance, in any environment. 
The one who suffered and died under sin is risen and ascended and rules over all things. Jesus can't be dethroned by the forces of this world and through our suffering, he will continue to work and bear witness to his kingdom of forgiveness and everlasting life. So, I'm going to give you an activity if the Spirit moves you so to participate. These are the old leads, okay? Well, I really shouldn't call them old leads. They're people we know and love who are apart from us now. The stack isn't that high, so there aren't very many to go around. Uh, But you may know someone already in your mind who you can pray for. Let's start by praying for them. And if the Spirit moves us, extend our care to them by, I don't know, send them a devotional book, send them a a portals of prayer um, uh, with a note thanking them for their service in the past and that you're praying for them. We could pray for them uh, next Sunday during our service. Take one. And may the peace of God which surpasses all our human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'll put these on the on the buffet for you and they have addresses on there Uh, it doesn't mean you you have to write them or send them anything at first just pray for them uh, or anyone else on your heart and mind who is absent from us and uh, but if later you decide to reach out to them their address is on here